Welcome to another sensational, dare I say sensational, episode of Not For Nothing with your host, Chris and Chris. Hey, all you cool cat and kittens out there. Do you hear that? Do you hear that Bloody Mary slur in Chris's voice, folks? That's right. He's drinking on a Thursday. I can't fucking believe it. That's true Not For Nothing for him right there. Uh, it felt like a, you know, it's a little rainy here. It felt like a felt like a kind of a bloody mary kind of a day, you know. Dude, I support it wholeheartedly. I would be I would be a hypocrite if I didn't. Um, I'm surprised I, this is my first one we've had since the quarantine. Your first bloody mary at all? Since the quarantine, you know, like I, you know, I thought I'd be drinking a little bit more of these. Uh, you know, once uh, once I'm kind of locked in here. Do you have a Do you have a bloody mary mix that you use? Or are you a Are you a from scratch guy? Uh, no, I, I, I do. Yeah. There's one I found that's actually really good. I think it's the McClure's like the, you know, oh, like the, the pickly the one. Yeah, that's good. good they stuff. have a good, they have a good Bloody Mary. That's one. top three. I like, I also like Zing Zang just as a, I don't think I know that one. Oh, Zing Zang. I got really into Zing Zang during South by Southwest. It's a, it's a pre-made mix. Uh, it doesn't need refrigeration. Although I don't know if any Bloody Mary mix does. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not it's, it's high in the pepper content. Hmm. Less okay. than the horseradish content, but that McClure's is so pickly; it's so divine. It's good, yeah. If if you're going by scratch, what what's your base My, juice? Uh, I think you just got to go with this, like a well. Me personally, I'm a clamato yep. guy. Uh, I am too. I'm so yeah. It's it would be. I, I, I think, think there's it's no other con- choice. Would be considered a Caesar technically, mm, not right. a Bloody Mary. Uh, I like a clamato. In a beer, just red beer, like just tomato juice and beer. It's sure, yeah, good. yeah, those are pretty good. Maybe yep. put a little dash of Tabasco on there. Those are much better for hangovers. Like for, instead of just drinking like a beer or something. No, red beer is fucking champion, yeah, championship yeah. level. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We used I, to drink those before getting on flights back from like Vegas when we were in our twenties. Just fill you up with some acid. There's also the. Uh, but somehow it worked, and, and and I usually get like motion sickness and stuff, especially on airplanes and stuff. So somehow those helped and worked though for me. The man Mosa. Do you know about the man Mosa? Mm, no. It's a high life with o- OJ, and it is oh. surprisingly delicious. That will also have the same effect. Get that little, little. Isn't that citric kind of a version of a shandy, basically? Then. Yeah. Well, shandy's lemonade, I think. Oh, lemonade. Right. Okay. And man, this is a little of, sexist because anyone could enjoy one. A f- yeah. A warm seriously. man, Mosa. Could yeah. Have. Well, I love a, just a regular good mimosa. So I do too. And I don't care what goes in it. Prosecco, Lambrusco, no. yeah. champagne. Fruit. Yeah. Grape juice, whatever. Doesn't matter. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm all in on it. And I'll drink mm-hmm. until I get a headache. I don't care. <laughs> Some people are like, I should stop. I'll get a headache. I'm like, I'll bring Maybe on just a, five more. Bring on the headache. I want it. <laughs> but I can't change. You know, like they do those like those brunch spots where yeah. they'll be like, "Here's your your all you can drink, Bloody Mary or mimosa. mimosa," and so some people can switch midstream. Yeah, I can't, no, I don't want to do that either. I can't switch midstream. No, 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 no. I don't want it, especially those two. Those two don't seem to like pair well nicely with each other. I agree. A mimosa also kind of just goes better with breakfast. I hate to admit it. Bloody Mary's good anytime. I feel like a Bloody Mary right True. now. It's a great. Tra- Bloody Mary's True. not just for mornings. No, not at all. Not at all. Whoever started mm-hmm. that bullshit, crazy. Um. Okay. So now that we've gotten through the uh the broken liver section of the uh of the podcast, which is basically, which is I'm great. sure, making a lot of people at home that are also drunk feel better about themselves. <laughs> That's what if, we're here for. In fact, we have a guest on today's show, which who will be calling after we cut through the bullshit a little bit. Mr. Mike Vorkanoff's back, uh, talking whatever the fuck he feels like. Might be day drinking. Who knows? He's a new, yeah. he's a new dad. He might he might have some well, pointers on how to sneak drink with the kid around. <laughs> you never know. We could ask. You him. Never know. We can ask him whatever he's, we want. He's not sure. doing anything. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah. And uh, but before we get into that, Chris, um, mm-hmm. there are a couple really not hot topics that I definitely wanted to to get your opinion on. I, I love not hot topics. Uh. And I know, I mean, we, we went deep last week. We, we, we went deep into the world, the hypothetical world, and we've done the lists. We've done it all. 
Uh, we are following every quarantine podcast trope to a T. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're the like. Playbook has been handed out and we're following it step by step. Exactly. We are, we are a podcast away from calling Paul Shear for no apparent reason. Um, <laughs> I uh, I did want to tell I did want to ask you this because I don't know if you've seen this going around. There's a there's a hypothetical like who would you want to be quarantined with? Yeah, uh, it's a list, right? Other lists of those and yeah, yeah. It's like Oprah, Kanye, Taylor right. Swift, or groupings whatever. of people. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Groups. Yeah. So uh, I hate them. Uh, I do too. But that being said, I made one, and I oh, want and I made it for you. <laughs> Okay. All right. So I this is a quick one. It's only four, uh, and you you know feel free to to shift anyone in and out of this if you if you so desire. Oh. Um, there's four. These are four potential quarantine households, all sports related. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. I did a sports a sports spin on it. Okay. Oh, it's my favorite kind of. And if you think these uh, these four are bullshit, uh, there's an, a fifth one that I that I have on the on the hopper. Um, okay. Okay. But. Number one, and you'll see a, you might see a theme, you might not. The first house, mm-hmm. uh, each oh by the way, each each house has a, a league commissioner in it. <laughs> I guess it's like Ooh, the house leader. Okay, yeah, yeah I like it. Actually, okay. that's good. So no one's num- doing that, Chris. No, exactly. No one's. I'm. You know, it's just the mm-hmm. finer points of not mm-hmm. for nothing. It's the it's the little it's that little nugget that makes us mm-hmm. stand head and shoulders above everyone else. Uh, Adam Silver. Damian Lillard, Cheryl Miller, Jeff Van Gundy, Serena Williams. That is house number one. Okay, so you've got you've got some nerd. Jeff Van Gundy. Yep, Jeff Van okay. Gundy. Okay. <laughs> okay. You feeling it? Just making sure I got my Van Gundys right. Which we yeah. Which Stan Van is not on this list. Okay. All right. You can't handle that voice. Neither are either of the Lopez's. One's already pretty strong, and I'm not even sure I can. They can beat one. Neither of the Lopez. Okay, so next house. It's a little bit more of a degenerate house coming up. Okay, this is Vince McMahon. Okay, John Daly, Pete Rose, Mike Tyson, and Hope Solo. (laughs) Okay. Oh wow! Interesting. uh... Uh, yeah, okay. everybody's okay. got it. That's a sordid past. That is yeah. what, that is the sordid past house, Chris. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. This is this next house is a little bit more of a maybe a, a thinking man's house, if you will. Ooh. Okay. Uh, it's interesting. Okay. So this one, this one, uh, brand new and the inaugural uh, commissioner of the WNBA before this season. There was only a, they called them the president, but the mm-hmm. actual commissioner of WNBA, Kathy Engelbert. Uh, next on the list, Oral Hershiser. Okay. I don't know if you know this. Oral Hershiser, once he retired from pitching, he's become a real, uh, he's a poker shark. Oh, no, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, oh. Michael Phelps. Okay. Megan Rapino or Rapino, if you're mm-hmm. me. Uh, and Richard Sherman. So that's a real, that's a real oh, thinking, sure. that's a real thinking person's house. Okay. All right. Yeah, sure. All okay. right. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then fourth, and if you want the fifth, it, let me know if the, none of those are appealing to you. I've got a fifth, but if you choose the fifth, you have to take it sight unseen before knowing who's in it. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so for, fourth one, fourth one is this. It's Roger Goodell. Oh, Roger. Okay. Yeah. Tiger Woods. Oh, I'm out on this one already. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> okay. Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> And Ronda Rousey. Oh, Ronda Rousey. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, this is no contest for me. Oh, yeah? Absolutely no contest for me. Okay. I know, who, is, you're, I know who you're taking. Who am I taking? No, I, I, no, no. Go ahead. Go. Oh, it's, it's, the, it's the first group. It's Silver. It's Lillard. It's the yeah. It's Cheryl it's, Miller, Serena, like I know, and basketball heavy. It's true. I, that was almost heavy, but that's okay. And like Jeff Van Gundy's just kind of he's he's the most annoying guy in that group, and he's probably not even that annoying. But just compared to the rest of everybody in that house, he's the annoying dude, and I can live with that. Okay, I think you're. I think that's on paper the house I would want. I would want. Um, mm-hmm. So. That do you want to know what the fifth house is? 
Uh, let me say this before we do that. Two, uh, two, two is the house I don't want to live in with, but I want to be a fly in the wall in. Yeah, this shit's going to fucking go down. I mean, right? Pete Rose, Mike Tyson, and John Daly alone makes it so fun. That's the one I want to, like, that's the Big Brother house that I want to put on T- CBS. Yeah, and have exactly. That's brother, like, yeah, and watch that that's one. That's like Webster, MC Hammer, yeah, Vince Neil. But I want to stay the fuck away from that house, though. I just want to watch it from afar. I agree. I agree. <laughs> three, I think three, I think is a little like, um, it's a little overrated. Ooh, I, I, you know what? It was a bit of a, like, ba- it was a it, bit it of a baity house. It was a bit of a baity house. I was trying to bait you into, into possibly taking it. I will say this too. I did a late, kind of boring, maybe, I did a late switch, uh, because I, uh, before I had uh Rapino or Rapino, uh, it was actually Winifer Fernandez, that super hot Dominican uh, volleyball player from four years ago. I don't know her at all. Oh, but dude, I'm gonna she's, look her up. Now. Yeah, please do. Also, no one wants to be around Richard Sherman. Like, I, I have a feeling no one wants to be around him. Uh, I, you know, he's probably one of those guys that where he's either really cool at some points and then he's just annoying as hell at other times and stuff. Because he, he's probably also like a know-it-all and. He and always claims he like he never sort of lies. Or, I think uh, it's all know-it-alls. I think it's a house of know-it-alls. That's a good a good call. And the last I house, I think they're boring actually. For the most part, like it's it's it looks good on paper, but once you're actually in that house, you're like, oh, get me the hell out of here. I'd rather go to two. <laughs> I also want to know what the deal is. I want to know what the something. deal is with Hope Solo. I just like, oh, I did well, a little. That means like, uh, wait, is she still married to um, Jeremy Stevens? Steven? I don't know. But then he's kind of lurking around outside, and you're like, "Oh shit!" I know. Guy. What are they going to get into? What did they steal? Yeah. Uh, did you know that he's going to get jealous because all these other guys are in a house with her? Yeah, but you got Mike Tyson to back you up. That's true. Yeah, Vince McMahon could turn Jeremy Stevens into a great wrestler too. That's a, there's potential there. Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, yeah. That's a surprise. Why he didn't do that move? Maybe I think because he is in jail. That dude is like beat up That's everyone. Like, he's a uh, head case. Yeah, he's that guy is a CTE. Yeah. I think he. I think Hope Solo married him like two days after, like the cops have been called for for a domestic dispute. Yeah, there was something, and then she was like, "No, never mind. I agree, can't or something." Yeah, yeah. and let's get or, married. Let's, of course, but let's do this. Let's tie this knot. <laughs> Balloon knot. <laughs> All right, I'm not even telling you the four, the fifth house because I think I think it's just too much, and I I don't think you'll. I I think you're gonna be sad that you didn't take it. Uh, or maybe delighted, but it's oh. it's, it's just it's gonna live in hypothetical purgatory. Crap. All right. Yeah, I'll try to live with it for a I'll week. I'll give you one. I'll give you one one hint. Who's the, who's the who's the uh, commissioner? Dana White. <laughs> oh God, no, I'm out. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> it was also the house with my, It was also the house with the only NASCAR person <laughs> the, and the only gymnast. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a tease. Uh, so yeah, thank you for playing that very boring game. Uh, anyone that played along at home, uh, I pity you. Um, <laughs> that's that. I mean, you said last week that things were going to get bleak. I was like, no way. We'll always have things to talk about. It's it's getting pretty pretty bleak, and I'm very I'm very I feel very honored to have uh, to have Mike join us uh, shortly. But before we do, Chris, mm-hmm. I did want to bring up in a recurring theme called Chris listens to sports radio during the apocalypse. Uh, (laughs) This is an all time great. Are you ready for this? Yes, I am. I am. So there's a theme song for that. I feel like I know, I know Chris is the only guy who listens to sports radio for the awkwardness during the pandemic. There's something like that. I'm it's (laughs) working. I'm working on it. Uh, uh, This is great. This is great. And I wouldn't have normally brought this back, but this was just peak peak. Pittsburgh Sports Radio. There's a show, uh, Ron, Ron Cook and uh, Joe, uh, fuck, I can't remember his name right now. Joe, I want to call him Starsky, and that's not right. It's Joe, fuck, I can't remember. Anyway, they've got a show uh, that they're doing, but Ron Cook's old, so he's not coming into the studio. So he's like set up like the jankiest home live broadcast system. Uh, but because he's at home, Ron Cook, who's also just kind of a terrible guy in general, uh, mm. and he's old. He keeps kind of forgetting like that there isn't a producer there to like turn off his mic for him, for example. <laughs> uh, 
So the other day, and I only caught this because I was actually listening to another, like the drive time show who kept busting the midday show's balls about this. Joe asks, says something to Ron Cook, and Ron Cook's response, he doesn't realize he's a, he's a, a hasn't heard the question, and B, that his mic is on, just goes, and farts. <laughs> He's a regular Mike Francesa. He farted on air. He farted on air. I can't believe it. It was like, it was, I was like. He didn't just fart on air. He, he grunted it out. He pushed it out. He pushed it out. And it was like, I felt so fucking bad for the co-host. But at the same time, he just, he, he didn't really try to cover it up. He just, he was, he just was like, are you okay, Ron? Uh, (laughs) It was, I. I mean, it was, uh, the, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Just listening to blowhard drive or, or sports talk radio guys try to fill hours worth of air, airtime uh, with just absolutely nothing. It's, it's, and the fact that I'm then regurgitating it because I yeah. have nothing to talk about is like, that's another level. That's, that's like that really bad movie that everyone loved that no one understood. I can't remember they even remember the name. Inception. <laughs> it feels like Inception. I feel like I'm living in Inception. He should have just left it without remembering the name of the movie. That I'm talking about though. You know, everyone was like Inception. Yeah, we got to go see this, and everyone, no one could admit that it was horrible, like at the time because it was so clever. But really, like, it wasn't. I wish The Ringer would do a rewatchable. About the inception. Oh, they will. Don't worry. Give them like two or three weeks now. It's impossibly it. rewatchable. Uh, and lastly, in the uh, another in another segment, I like to call what did what did our old producer John and Chris w- watch this week in our weekly Christian Slater movie? Uh, <laughs> we we watched another Christian Slater movie intended to watch Gleaming the Cube, the skateboard mm. classic. Mm. Uh, with all, how of could the you not watch that? Well, Amazon was like, oh, it's on here, Amazon. And then apparently they only had the trailer. <laughs> it, was just, it was just the trailer. Gleaming the Cube is not currently available in any streaming format for some reason. It says that it is, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. So we made a last minute quick scramble and just searched Christian Slater on HBO Now because it's free. And up popped video game, I don't know, I want to say like not classic, but cult classic. Uh, the Wizard, <laughs> starring <What>? Fred Savage, <laughs> Jenny Lewis, who went on to a musical career, uh, Bo Bridges. It's also Tobey Maguire's first ever scene, although it's a non-speaking part, and he's like 12. Uh, and Christian Slater is the big brother. And my God, Chris, it is incredible. one. It is not incredible. It is disgusting. <laughs> It was, it was not that long ago that we apparently felt perfectly fine touching and rubbing kids whenever we wanted. Oh, uh, Fred Savage is one of the most unlikable heroes in anything ever. Like he's just, he's just gross. Uh, Christian Slater saves the movie al- with his looks alone, but other than that, man, <laughs> it is a dog. If you have a fond memory of the Wizard or the Power Glove, or any other Nintendo <laughs> game that they were advertising in that movie, don't go back and watch that one. It will ruin all of your childhood dreams. I'd never seen it. John had. John was as not disappointed as I was. He was I think he was even more skeeved out than I was. It's, it's, Did oh, he remember it differently? So there's this, there's the, the subplot, or the plot is, and it's very shaky, the plot line. It's basically like... Of course it is. There's an autistic kid. He's the younger brother of Fred Savage and Christian Slater. They, it's, it's like, it's like, it's kids. No, it's some no name. Uh, It's basically a kid's rain man. Fred Savage goes, breaks him out, puts him on a skateboard, takes him to California. And along the way, they run into a very hammy film noir, Jenny Lewis at a truck stop with, who doesn't have parents. They work their way to California for a, a video game tournament, which no one really seems to understand why they're going to this video game tournament or the, why they want to win it because they like they're, it's not like Goonies. They don't need money. The kid's not particularly interested in video games. He just keeps saying California over and over again. <laughs> but the way that John had remembered it was that it was super awesome and that the kid was just shy. And like their whole goal was like, we got to get to California for this video game tournament. But 
As it turns out, that's not necessarily the case. It, it's a very, and the, the whole way there's a foil, like a guy whose job it is to like capture autistic kids and bring them back to institutions. And Bo Bridges and Christian Slater are sort of like trying to catch that guy. Like by by endlessly ramming them, ramming him off the road with their with their <laughs> with their landscape truck, which has a tree in the back. They drove to California and kept a tree and the shovels and everything in the back of this landscaping truck. It's bonkers. It's not likable. It's not enjoyable. Right. It's definitely bottom 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 of the of the so so far five deep Christian Slater a thon. Um, and I'm not even sure what we're going to do next week. It was a disappointing week. <laughs> Can I pick next week's for you, maybe? Absolutely. And in okay, fact, great. I was thinking maybe we could just have Sarge on to review him himself. Uh, oh, that would be great. Just do a little five-minute spot of his review. Because they fire him up. He gets so mad. He's like, this is the worst fucking movie ever. Mobsters was just like really boiled his oil. Oh, my God. Mobsters. I can't. You texted me uh, Anthony Quinn at his finest or something. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. Like that death scene is like the most over the top dumbest. There is a scene still, in, like great. Death there scene. is a scene in mobsters where and uh, first of all, Anthony Quinn is eating or drinking in every scene. There is a scene where he can't stand up. He's he drinking. Really does. He's drinking wine and has wine spill stains on his suit from like previous cuts where they didn't, they didn't get it right, but they're like, fuck it. We can't, get anthony quinn into another white suit so we're just gonna like leave this wine stains in the fucking shot it's amazing it's it's there should be a quick cut of all the anthony quinn scenes from mobsters with just credits rolling at the end because they're amazing but without him it's a dog have you guys watched cuffs yet so it's there that's like a kid's is he like a detective or something or like a, uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly what the. Uh, have you seen Cuffs? Because it's available. Probably a long time ago. I'm afraid if we go to Cuffs, John's gonna tap out, man. I feel like we need something with a little bit more bite, a little like may- oh, interview with a vampire. How about that for a little segue, a little bite? <laughs> Get it? It's about vampires. Uh, Murder anyway, in the first. Yeah, it's anyway let's move on let's move on let's let's put a fork in it uh is there anything sports related that you wanted to talk about that isn't hypothetical uh no but i do have i watched a movie last night that i do want to sort of share with you okay and our audience about not want do not watch if you haven't already okay and it leads to like maybe a bigger question here that we could or could not talk about um but uh so my wife and i wanted to watch a movie we she wanted to watch little women the newer version no, um, it, it's not available to rent yet or something Thank like that. Goodness. Or it's like it's over two hours long. And we were like, we're not watching this tonight. So instead, we settled on 21 Bridges, huh. which is uh, Chadwick Boseman, you know, the Black Panther guy. Yeah. And uh, he he started and he also produced it along with the Russo brothers, who are the guys who produced, uh, obviously, uh, the Avenger movies and stuff. So there's some connections between them and whatnot. Okay. And it's about New York cop and these, this drug deal that goes bad and all this stuff. And it's, there's like bad cops in it, dirty cops and takes, and it's this movie is, is it, it's the one, I don't know if you ever saw the previews where he's like, shut the, shut all the bridges down, all 21 bridges down in Manhattan. Oh, I thought it was like 21 Brit, like a, there are 21 Brit, like it's Bo, called 21 Bo bridges, bridges Jeff Bridges, Todd Bridges, <laughs> the whole bridges clan. <laughs> What you talk about, Willis? <laughs> but the but everyone in it has, except for Chad Chadwick Boseman, has uh, an accent, which I think they're trying to do a New York accent, but it comes out Boston. Oh, boo, dude! I just did a fucking, I just did a quick little IMDb now. So uh, J.K. Simmons is one of my biggest pet peeves in the world. I fucking can't handle that dude. I can't. Oh. He, he rubs me the wrong way. Even those fucking commercials rub me the wrong way. Like farmers, I oh, can't, I can't get with that guy. So I would I would be out just be on that alone. But and he's he's the one, he's one of them that has a really bad accent. What about Taylor Kitsch? He's actually great in the movie, but he's not like the lead role because he's great in so. fucking everything. Because he's fucking dreamboat. <laughs> I love him so much. Tim Riggins for life, dude. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's actually decent in it. He's kind of a badass in it. Um, Sienna Miller is in it uh, that I didn't even recognize. Back from the dead. Sienna Miller. 
And she even has a worse accent that's more sort of New England, Boston-y kind of thing. And she's British. But so it sounds like, like they're all supposed to be from New York or something. I'm not really sure why all these... I, I don't understand why a movie like leans into these bad accents. And why don't you just sort of cut them off and like make sure that they can do them properly before you start filming? Uh, I, <laughs> I am not... I'm not convinced I don't want to see this movie, but continue. Why wouldn't I, why do I want to stay away? Well, the, the act, the accent alone are, are, are the one thing. Um, beyond that, the, 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 the script kind of goes like nowhere or, and it goes like every, in like a million different directions. And it sort of kind of ties itself together, but it's like, it's, it's like someone took a, a script, right. And, and you and I wrote a movie and we, we did like 30 pages of sort of like ideas of kind of like, Oh, this will happen. And then maybe we'll do this and then we'll kind of do this. Yeah. And, that and then they kind of just rushed after that. I'm like, Oh, we'll figure out the dialogue later and we'll put in some plot points. And, and then at the end, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it, it just kind of was like kind of broken apart from place to place to place. It could have been a lot deeper. It could have had a lot more things to it. It was like an hour and a half, you know, it was like one of those kind of like short I, movies I like where that I think too. they just sort of kept like cutting things out of it. So they just made a, they made a, you're saying there was no storyboard. They just kind of shot a bunch of shit and like figured it out in post. Yeah. Like, or they had something so terrible and it was like so bad from the start that they just had to cut so much out of it where they just kind of ended up like this with those, one of those kind of movies where it's just like, it's just all kind of chopped up. Has this guy, is it, I, so I see that it's directed by Bri- great. I Brian it. Kirk. I, I don't think that guy's ever directed a movie before yeah i feel like he he this is his first time and it's like a buddy of somebody's that's just like all right we'll give you a movie and, and chadwick Boseman wanted to produce this or something coming off of these avenger movies and he has a little name and clout so he's trying to like maybe use that to his benefit a little bit more and then it, it then the studio was probably like oh all right fine we'll make this movie for you yeah and they did fine it looks like it grossed a little bit more than it cost so okay uh, that's amazing actually i'm actually really amazed that that's yeah actually i know but i you know it's weird like movies are i don't know what the margins are anymore like, right. i don't know what's considered success because i don't know what goes into like distribution and all that shit i i do know that another that the not to bring it back to the wizard but i kind of have to the guy that wrote the wizard only wrote the wizard he never made anything else yeah he that was, makes sense it's in and out that i wonder if this will be brian kirk's foray into into film directing or if he's do you think he's out uh it, it depends well it all depends on who he knows but i would suggest on this movie alone he would be out and probably making like more like b films or something maybe mm, a horror uh, movie or maybe he goes into like a couple of those like um kind of like the low budget like horror films that are kind of very popular these days oh like uh <laughs> what i fuck it truth or dare have you seen that one no. Yo, I watched Truth or Dare the other night with my wife, who's terrified of horror movies. Yeah. And it was so bad she did she didn't even like cover her eyes. She was like, This is incredible. It's so bad. And we just were like, that was a piece of shit. And for some <laughs> reason, we reference it more than anything else we've seen since the quarantine. <laughs> We fucking talk about truth or dare way more than anything else we've seen. No, it would like the whole time. We're like, this is garbage. This is so dumb. This is so bad. And then we're just like, now we say we do truth or dare, like jokes to each other. We do the truth or dare face. Like it's, it's become the movie of the quarantine for us. So I, who am I to judge? I'm going to watch 21 bridges as soon as I'm done with this podcast. Probably. (laughs) I watched happy death day a couple weeks ago. And? and it's about a college chick who keeps like uh, it's basically Groundhog's Day for horror movies. Oh, where she like dies and then she wakes up in the same day and then she gets killed again and eventually she starts trying to figure out who's actually trying to kill her. Oh, that sounds miserable. It's yeah, it is, and it's not terrible, but it's a little like the acting's like a little campy. Um, and although she's not bad, the lead actress isn't bad. Well, Chris, let me give you a little I bit. Kind of enjoyed can I enjoyed it. They made a second one and I kind of want to watch the second can one. Can I now. give you an example of what a box office success is? <laughs> it is happy death day. That movie cost <laughs> $4.8 million to win or to yeah. make, uh, and did 125 million in the what? box office. Wow. Yeah. So that's why there's an, an it's one of those, like, it's not really scary, but it's, it's just kind of, I don't even know how you classify it. A thrillerish, scary in it a way. Like maybe something, something that I could I could I watch it with my wife. I think you can definitely watch it with your wife because it's got like kind of humorous moments to it. You know where she's like, "Oh shit, I'm I'm you know like she's about to die again." She's like, oh, "I'm not again" or something. You know like stuff like that. I'm in. 
I'm in. It's, uh, I think that's probably more, uh, your wife could probably, could probably handle that one easily. I'm in. And enjoy it. All right. <laughs> uh, so Chris, I just one last note. It's a sports note. Um, oh, gambling right. still goes on in the, in the racetrack world. Mm-hmm. Had, I took another bath last week. I fucking can't get my footing again. Ever since we started betting Oakland, I'm, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm all up in my head. I, I've lost the touch. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back at the tracks this weekend, but man, two weeks on, two weeks off. It hasn't been great. I don't have any winners for you. I've got nothing. I'm just, I'm a shell of myself. I'm the guy at the track picking up jewels off the ground to smoke them to see if there's any tobacco left. <laughs> like drinking everyone else's leftover yeah. drinks. Left. Yeah. Yeah. Just mix them into one gross drink. There's like a, like a murky brown with like, with like a, a bunch of squeezed fruit in it. <laughs> That's me. I'm like an old dried lime. Just kind of yeah. I'm wearing like, out. I'm wearing like a Jersey and jorts <laughs> and, a, and like a fedora or something. Yeah. And flip flops. <laughs> So that's me right now. That's what the visual, if you, if you can believe it, I suck at, I suck at fucking horse race gambling. Um, maybe we, we should just take a break from gambling this week then, Chris. Maybe we should take a break from the show. And why don't we uh, come back with a, a great guest, Mr. Mike Borkinoff of The Athletic. What do you think? Sounds great. Let's do it. All right, cool. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you parent extraordinaire, uh, writer, podcaster, all-around great guy, Mr. Mike Vorkanoff. Thank you for joining the show. All in that order, obviously. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, there was. I should have said in no particular order. Um, <laughs> we did a little. Are you guys, We did a little. It's been a while since I did this pod. I know, and we are thrilled to have you on. Mostly because it seems that you go AWOL on your own pod a lot. Uh, so I feel like there's a real coup that we. Uh, that my pod got has not been running for I would say about a year now. What? Um and which is a to to my chagrin really at first i stopped i stopped doing it because i just kind of ran out of time at the moment yeah um and i also thought the audio quality wasn't what it should have been um and now it's more of like a different logistical issue that i just don't really feel like getting into at the moment <laughs> but maybe i will pot again i hope so i i i enjoyed it and i did i actually got used to the sort of echoey backgroundish sounds <laughs> of it so i think you're the <laughs> only one who's like oh this is the worst produced podcast in the world i love it yeah it was it brought a real truth to it <laughs> it was just you a voice and an occasional loud crash of something you dropped um yes. i appreciate it um so first of all thank you um and and thank you for coming back it's it's great to have you um i i wanted to sort of just jump in and not really get into necessarily the the sports of of things, but really sort of like what you've been up to, um, and and we don't have to do the whole COVID take or anything like that. I just wonder, like, how are you keeping busy, and uh, and 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 what's your life like currently, from a b- both personally and professionally? If you don't mind, just getting into like the real service stuff. <laughs> I don't really know if there's a. I guess there's still some kind of dividing line between personal and professional. Um professionally i'm still trying to work and put out stories and write about the knicks or basketball or sports or something in some sort of way and a lot a large portion portion of my day is just spent um i don't know brainstorming trying to see if people will call me back text me back whatever um trying to essentially figure out okay what can i do today what can i do tomorrow what do i have time and energy for yeah um i feel like i'm not alone in that Personally, I don't know. We're we're in a apartment in you know Hoboken, and we're barely leaving. But once a day, maybe, um, maybe. And, and we and, you, uh, just you, trying to you and your wife huh? and, and you your wife and your and your recently recently born child, correct? Yes, uh, she was born somewhere within the last um one to four years. So, okay. um, you know, <laughs> she's not a twin. Just to clarify, she is a single child. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It, I, I, well, like the only, I think like the only maxim that I've lived by in these last uh, three to four weeks, however long it's been, is that like, like every minute feels like an hour. Every hour feels like a day. Every day feels like a week. And God knows what weeks and months feel like. And I just, I've lost all track of time. But <laughs> I think it's, a, I think it, something we sort of touched on before we, before we hit record was that, uh, you know, Chris and I don't have kids. Um, 
So we have very little sympathy for the lives of parents that are finding out what it's like to not only <laughs> spend all of their time with their significant other, but also their children and try to figure out ways to like be creatively work in the time frames that, that is allotted to them. I think that that is a ongoing theme of the world. And it sounds tricky. Um, you're going to say this. I think I've talked about this with my friends, the ones who have kids, obviously. Like You're not going to say it to the ones who don't. I think the dividing line right now um, among certain people and whether you talk to your friends again is whether you're doing this pandemic with children or without children. Because yeah. the people who are just like, oh, I'm sick of watching TV and reading books and whatever or, uh, are much different than the ones who are like, I literally have no time or energy to even work. Yeah, I heard a, I heard a, uh, on, on the, uh, I think it was the Zach Lowe podcast, he was talking about how he's like only getting time to do work at, after like everything's done. And he, at that point, he's already exhausted and just wants to like drink wine and watch TV. So, yeah, yeah. that's about it. Last night, I tried to, I was like, right, I got to write a story. I'll do this after my kid goes to sleep and I have dinner and I just relax for like a half hour. And then I ended up, uh, I actually ended up binging Unorthodox on Netflix, <laughs> staying up way too late, knowing I would be screwing myself for the, uh, for the morning. And, and then just this morning, just like frantically writing the story that I should have written, you know, 12 hours ago or whatever it was. Do you want to, do you want to tease it? What's the story? So we know what, uh, the what, story shitty, what about... shitty Mike Vorkanoff writing is all about. <laughs> now, now I don't want to talk about it. No, what is it? What is it? I feel it? judged. I feel seen. Please. What is it? Um, I it was about Killian Hayes, uh, who's an interesting point guard who might go uh, top ten in the NBA lottery this. Um, I was going to say summer, but I don't know this. Whenever the draft is held, right? Uh, and uh, maybe the Knicks take him. Maybe they don't. We don't really know. Are you Are you hopeful? What do you? I mean, I guess now that you just mentioned the word the Knicks, uh, and something just <laughs> popped into my head, and I don't know where the where the we have to get into it. Where, oh, I'm sorry, Chris is here too. <laughs> Yeah, hey guys. <laughs> well, Chris is the reason I did this podcast. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, but one thing Chris had sent to me recently, which I, I don't know if this rumor is true or if it's already been squashed or what's going on, but the, that uh, the Knicks are pursuing Elton Brand as a possible GM. Um, is, there, is there any truth to that? And, uh, and, uh, and as far as you're concerned, or is that just this bullshit rumor that, and just the, like a funny take that the Knicks just want another... I don't think it's a, a bullshit rumor. I, and the way I read it was more that like if he were to get fired, then the Knicks would be interested in hiring him, uh, which is a lot of qualifiers, they can't right? Power forwards in their organization. <laughs> there we go. There's the power power forward joke we've all been waiting for. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get fired by Philadelphia though, so I don't I don't really know that this is going to be a concern. I don't know if that's good good or bad for you as a Sixers fan, but um, yeah. I I, that's that, just a few, that a few actually might be a points. more interesting question with this whole topic is that is this better or worse for Philadelphia if he is well I'm I'm hopeful I, I, I think I actually got Chris on this but because he sent that to me and it was April 1st and so I was like I'm actually hoping Brand gets fired and that we bring back a Colangelo and now that <laughs> now that now that Dad Colangelo doesn't have anything to do with the uh, US Olympic team because there is no Olympic basketball maybe he could come be our GM and, uh, well, I mean, Chicago tried to jump you on the Colangelo yeah. reboot. Um, they hired someone else, but they they tried. It, I mean, they interviewed. They talked to him, Chris. I, I I want, but I don't. I want I want the original Colangelo. I don't want I don't want the young. You, want Jared. you had the I original want, Colangelo. I know, I know, it's true. Uh, I'm I I really I guess if you're asking me the question, I am. I don't think Elton Brand the Elton Brand experience, as far as I'm concerned, is about. I'd give it like a C plus. I haven't hated everything he's done. Um, but I definitely haven't loved it. Um, and, and big Al was, is the big icing on the cake for why I don't love him as a GM, but you know, he's new. He's, I don't, I don't think you can judge anybody on half a season of work. Uh, I think that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I mean, it seems like in Philadelphia, um, I have a friend of mine wrote the book on the Sixers, literally, um, <laughs> your own Weitzman wrote the tanking to the top book, which I recommend for you Philly fans out there. I, as I, I didn't even know that existed. I, yeah, that's a great plug. It's a, yeah, it's great. Um, it's, it's a wonderful book. It's about, why am I doing this? You should just have him on to talk about his mm -hmm. book. Um, <laughs> that's but true. It, but it's about like the hinky era Sixers in the last like whatever, six, seven years. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the one thing, I, one of the things I learned from that book is that it, I don't know if it's necessarily all these things are Elton brand decisions as much as they are 
all the people involved with the Sixers front office decisions. I'm I'm now I've I only could hear like half of what you said because I just got so excited about the potential of reading this book. It's a very good book. <laughs> I will say that like I say that objectively as someone who uh, likes good sports journalism like i think it's a very good book yeah right. i'll give you his number when we get off there you can call me you can put him on your podcast He'll I, come on i would love to yeah that's awesome great our listeners are like could you guys fucking do this not recorded please <laughs> maybe you guys should talk no, no, a little no, bit you know you, this is real this is how this, <laughs> this office is, gets made this is real so, shit so in, so it's sort of in along the same lines of with elton brand and the gm searches and stuff is can, can we can you please give us and like nick's fans some sort of reassurance that but they're also not just going to recycle like the typical head coaching names, like the Van Gundys and Mark Jackson and like Tom Thibodeau for the love of God. <laughs> is there any, I mean, is there any chance that they just stay away from those names and that's all just sort of hearsay and speculation as well? Um, I think the thing about that is that I, all right. And this might seem like it's not exactly like, uh, I don't know, fulfilling, but like, I don't, I don't really know where the Knicks are in their coaching search because it's, it just kind of like stopped for a little bit, I think, because yeah. um, the season is like still it's like coated in amber and we don't know if we're going to still have a season or not have a season. So you can't really fire someone um, if you no. want, you know, if there's going to be like five games after and Mike Miller has to coach the team unless you commit to, ha- you know, like there's a plan in place and, you know, other coaches um, are still have jobs. They're still employed by teams. So you can't really like put an interview request for somebody who's an assistant coach in, you know, San Antonio or something. Right. Um so I think that's a lot of it. I, I think like Tom Thibodeau and Kenny Atkinson are probably candidates. For sure. Um, I don't know how you feel about those two people. I I think uh, no more Tom Thibodeau. Tom, no more Tom. No, no more Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, they, uh, I can't. He just uh, uh, he he's probably my least favorite coach that just keeps getting like he's so overrated. So I think he's. I actually I've like come a little bit back around i think he's a good coach i just i think you need a particular team and i think that team has to be a veteran team more so than um the knicks are unless the yeah, knicks and also have from 15 years ago i so, so I, you know actually that's so i was looking at it and i was oh god <laughs> this is one of the things i was really thinking about uh writing whenever um because this is you know kind of like an interminable sequester that we're in um it just kind of like what an, a tom thibodeau offense is and his teams aren't as like anti-modern as you think they are uh, looking back at least at like the Timberwolves, um, you know, they finished top 10 in offensive efficiency in each of his three seasons uh, in Minnesota. And uh, or at least the last two, they definitely were. And so like they, they play good offensive basketball. Was Thibodeau um, the GM for all three of those years? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. he was like the head of the organization. The there was a GM. Yeah. Right. He, so, he ran the thing. Yeah. So that right. I, I think that that's my yeah. bigger issue with Thibodeau more than his coaching is, is, the, his need to run the program from the top right. down, which th- seems like a, another very Nixian thing to to allow him to do, but I don't think that that's well. I mean, a possibility. That, that's what you have Leon Rose for. He's the guy running exactly, it, right? right? So it does, also mean four or five more years of Taj Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, so, yeah. So, Mike, I don't know if you know this, but but so we have a we have a a weird a weird. Mike or Tom Thibodeau moment that happened in our lives. We, Chris and I both went to the Allen Iverson, uh, hall of fame induction. And, and I don't, have you been to a hall of fame ceremony before? Uh, yeah, I went to the, um, uh, two years, Jason Kidd, Rod Thorne, Steve Nash, that one. Okay. So it's, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it's still held in the same weird, like music hall place. And you, people just sort of cram into the lobby as the players walk in, like down a chute into their seats. Is that, is that how it was when you, when you went? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Like you, you walk into, um, the stairs of that, whatever that nice place was in Springfield, Massachusetts, right? Yes, exactly. So, so we, we were watching, you know, just watching the, the, the various players and people that were coming that are just like the who's who of, of, of Sixers and and other teams past like that would walk through. And we noticed that Tom Thibodeau and people were cheering and asking for, you're like, Oh yeah, look over here, Eric Snow, look at me. Uh, Tom Thibodeau went through and people Clearly didn't know the fuck he was necessarily. No one said his name, <laughs> and then we re- we realized Tom went into the the building, and like five ten minutes later, Thibodeau comes back through the front entrance again for for like recognition. He was like, "Shit, I'm gonna try this again," and did a lap. 
He did a lap. He was like, I'm he like <laughs> snuck out the side door, walked all the way around the building, and then like came back in like he'd never been there before. So did, did that? Did that make you hate him? Want Tom Thibodeau more? I was gonna say, as yeah, your coach or less. It seems it's, like less. Yeah, it's less, much less. But much I, well, okay. didn't really like him to begin with in the first place. But that was even that was even before his his Minnesota Timberwolves stint. I think. So yeah, it was like even, yeah, that's true. It was we we so we've kind of been an anti Thibodeau podcast from that moment forth. Um, <laughs> But I can, but but if you're telling me there's there's analytics to to defend him over over say Kenny Atkinson, then then by all means, do you? No, I'm not saying like it's to defend him. I'm just saying I think he's not as like um like you know like a caveman basketball as we think. I think some of well, his not thoughts so much. on like player preservation probably need modernizing. Right. But again, yes. that if you have a veteran team versus like a young team, like all these things come into play. And so, okay, so going for, off of that then, because I think that's an interesting kind of question. And from, and I've, I've noticed you've written some articles about sort of uh, revolving around the, the Leon Rose hiring and, and sort of that strategy of hiring former agents and all those kinds of things. So from your perspective and understanding now of the last couple of weeks or months or however long this has happened, what what is your sort of take on his hiring? Like, is it a good hiring? Is it, does it make sense? And, and kind of where do, where do the, sort of the Knicks kind of build off of, his hiring, like, do they go with this sort of, you know, uh, veteran sort of heavy teams now, or are they going to sort of tear it all down and stick with the younger developing kind of style, which usually doesn't sort of necessarily work for the Knicks in the past? I don't know where there is to uh, tear down more. And I'm not even saying that glibly, like it's already a, uh, like they have half the roster they can turn over because they can become free agents this summer. Um, and so you're going to have to sign guys eventually. There's it's already so young, like they almost have to decide how much to try to get better next mm-hmm. year. Like they're going to have cap space. I don't know how much the cap is going to fall. Um, so that that'll depend how much cap space they have, but like they have to decide how much all in to go next year. Like, are they willing to use next year as like a bridge year? Um, you know, try to create a situation for the young guys and maybe sign one or two veterans here or there, or will they try to just pile on a bunch of vets once again and hope that's the combination that works. I think they will be better next year. I think there will be different sets of veterans that maybe they fit better. Um, than the group that they brought in this past season. But I, I can't imagine them just like all of a sudden becoming, you know, like a six seed in the East or something. Uh, that just seems like too far-fetched and too difficult to do without taking a lot of um, risks that have short-term rewards, but long-term screw you over. Yeah, a.k.a. the Dolan recipe for his entire tenure as the owner. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what, what do you, is, are there any players that you like have like a, your own sort of personal, like favoritism towards? Are there anyone that you like just enjoy? You mean like the guys I like covering? Yeah. Covering or, or that you want to see come back either from a covering standpoint or from a player standpoint. Are, like, are there, I've, I've only covered like the Knicks for the last three years. So it hasn't exactly, like, I was actually talking about it with, so I did a thing like when they hired Leon Rose, like I talked to Damian Dotson and Frank Nilakina, and at the time they were the most they're the longest tenured Knicks, right? That's crazy. Nilakina is twenty one and they've both <laughs> been there for two and a half seasons. That's fucking and nuts. I was like and I told Damian Dotson, I was like, There's no way you can name all of your teammates. And he it took him like five minutes with some help. Um, to name all the guys he played with his rookie year, right? And that was like 18 people. And then they turned like two-thirds of the team over his second season. Then they turned like two-thirds of the team over his third season. Um, so there's not been a lot of continuity right. for the Knicks in, in that time. So I can't even say I've gotten to know guys well. There's some guys I've enjoyed covering. Uh, you know, like I think like uh, Bobby Borders is good to talk to. I enjoy talking to like Luke Cornette. Um, Frank Nilakina is great to cover. RJ Barrett seems like he's going to be good to cover for years to come. For sure. Um, but like, I can't say like I'm one of those people who's covered the same team for 10 years and the same guy's been there for like seven years. And like, you know, you get to know them and you build this long-term relationship with them just because the Knicks haven't even done that. They don't, they don't have anyone on their team for that long. Right. Is there, like, well, would, is there anyone you'd be heartbroken? Like I personally like love Lonzo Trier. I just feel like he's never got the fair <laughs> shake that he deserves. Uh, and, but, but I just get, because I just kind of get stuck on one player once, once in a while, like Rashawn, Rashawn, you know, I've, I've, I've Rashawn Holmes. I've had like this fantasy about him since he was on the Sixers. Does that, oh, yeah. The Sixers messed up on that one. I know. And it's, and I think only Sixers fans know that, but I feel like Zoe Trier is, is kind of the next one for me. Like he's the guy that I feel like the team is going to regret losing if they do. Is there, do you have anybody on, is there anyone on the, on the Knicks that you think that has a ton of upside that Knicks don't? don't necessarily or have or haven't really given enough credit to? Well, I mean, I've been a 
higher, I think, unlike the the rest of the world on Frank Nilakina. So I think that if they let him go and he goes to like a good organization like the Bucks or the Spurs or the Heat mm-hmm. or someone like that, that's really good at player development. Like he'll prosper there. Um, yeah. I think that's something that that might doom them possibly. Uh, anyone even else? Even Knox. I, I mean, still right? Knox, I mean, yeah. Knox is yeah, still going. Sure. I mean, he's barely he's, 20? Yeah, he's 20. I mean, he's kind of been like hurt by the fact that he's been asked to play out of position and like, you know, last year he was essentially like the center of the offense and then this year he's not even in the rotation most nights. Like, he's had a hard time his first two years. Um, I think guys like that are the ones who are at risk of of hurting the Knicks in the future if they let them go and they go to somewhere that can help them develop players. Because that's been the thing for the Knicks. They just haven't been able to develop players and that's cost them. Yeah, well, I mean, as you said, like they the turnover's been incredible, not only from like the player standpoint, but from the coaching standpoint as well. Yeah, I mean, the coaching standpoint, I don't think anyone has gotten the Knicks job, been fired in it, and then gotten another head coaching job. Even the assistants really have had trouble getting, uh, not all of them, obviously, but like a good number of assistants haven't gotten a number of NBA jobs uh, either. What do you mean? Herb Williams definitely has had tons of head coaching jobs. <laughs> Herb Williams might still be employed by the Knicks. In he some for way. sure is. He's a mole. Yeah. He's a little yeah. mole. <laughs> I, I think Herb, Herb Williams might have the record for most interim head coaching jobs without ever head coaching. Like I, he might. He did that like Knicks. two or three times. Yeah, that he might have that record. He's like the Lou Amundsen of interim head coaches. <laughs> Another great wow. former Nick, actually. Exactly, Lou that's Amundsen. Him. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I honestly, I honestly even thought halfway through this season, I had to look it up. I thought Mike Miller. The head coach was the former basketball player, Mike. <laughs> I still think that. You mean it's not? <laughs> it's not. He's um, he's an assistant somewhere else or something. Uh, and I, I honestly, I'm not even watching Knicks games. And I was like, oh, Mike Miller, great. I'm glad that they're giving him a chance or something to be, you know, to try out as like a head coach and get some experience or something I'm like. Nope, some other dude. I thought they just. I thought they fired. Never heard of before. I thought they I, fired. I, him. I got a tip in the summer that they were going to like bring Mike Miller on, and I, my first response was, wait. The, the one who played in Miami? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, the Westchester coach. I was like, oh, that's oh, right. Dude. I forgot. See, he, I, he's, not, he's been a, sort of a decent coach, actually, for them. Yeah, he, I think he's actually done a good job. Like, he's, he's been asked to do a lot uh, for the Knicks. He's essentially been their team spokesman because there's been, like, a PR vacuum. Um, and he's done well in terms of, like, helping the team play better. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, like, He's either earned a shot to be a, one of the you know lead assistants on the staff of whoever the next coach is, or like get that type of job around basketball somewhere else. He kind of looks like a heart attack waiting to happen, though. Like he doesn't. <laughs> he does. uh, my, I hope he's hitting that Peloton during this t- downtime because he doesn't look great. I'm just gonna put he's, it out there. He's basically what Brett Brown is becoming in another like five years or something. <laughs> Brett Brown's um, <laughs> pandemic beard must be really nice. Yeah, I, I I can't with the pandemic beards. I can't like Shaq's <laughs> pandemic beard is disgusting. I want him to just stop. Everybody I haven't even seen it. It's gross. It's grimy. Um. Let's, hold on. Let's go. All right. Let's get off the beards for a second. Yeah. Go back. Go back, Mike. The, with with okay. R.J. Barrett in last year's draft pick. Was do you still believe after however many games you saw him of this year? Do you still believe he was sort of the right player chosen for the Knicks? Um. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the draft has worked out this way. There's the top two players, right? John mm-hmm. Morant and Zion, and I think right. those are unquestionably right now the two best players, um, in that draft class. And I think after that, I mean, I don't know who the next best player in the draft will be. Um, I think RJ Barrett played, you know, well for a rookie, especially under the circumstances in an offense that really didn't try to highlight his best characteristics, that he had some trouble, like, you know, where he was literally ignored on some possessions. So I think he showed enough. Yeah, I think he's shown enough good things where like you could see, okay, I can see this guy being a good player in the NBA um, once he matures and, you know, hits 22, 23, whatever. The big thing is like his jump shot. That's going to determine, like, if you can get his jump shot right, maybe he can be an all-star. Um, otherwise, like, I still think there's a pretty good floor for him that he's shown this this year will be in the NBA for him. Um, I, it's not like anyone else has played, like, so well that was picked after him that you can be like, no, definitely take them over R.J. Barrett. Right, right. But instead, maybe going, um, you're, you're right, because no one else stood out more so than him either. But uh, but instead of, like, maybe someone, like, more point guard orientated, which is sort of a bigger need for them, so like a Kobe White or a Darius Garland or something like that, um, um, who's, who's probably playing about the same level. Like they're, they're not head and shoulders above or below Barrett as well, though. But it's sort of like, you know, um, I, I guess there's two sides of two sides of that coin of, of sort of the best 
player possible going into the future, but also sort of a need and fit for the for the team and organization. Yeah, but to me, like you need someone who's like the main initiator on your offense. And if you think RJ Barrett can do that as a wing player instead of necessarily having a point guard, then just take him anyway, right? Okay. All right. Yeah. Speak, sure. Speaking of drafts, do you think that the Knicks will ever regret not drafting Malik Monk? <laughs> ever regret not drafting him? Yeah. I mean, they probably don't regret it now. That's what I'm well, saying. They'll, tr- they'll trade for him anyway this offseason. So. <laughs> I just feel like that we always give the Knicks a hard time for their bad draft choices, and, and that was one that everybody shitted on, and actually it might have been the, the right move to, to, to take a waiver on, on uh, Malik Monk. Um, no, I think the, if you're going to do that, like if the move there was to take Donovan Mitchell. Right. Well, I mean, no one knew. Who I, went one pick after Malik Monk. Yeah, I'm do not. The Hornets I, regret taking Malik Monk instead of Donovan Mitchell is the question. Yeah, yeah that's probably true. But I, I, I think they regret taking Malik Monk over anyone else. I personally find hypothetical uh, redrafts the most <laughs> asinine shit in the entire world, and it fucking drives me crazy. So I didn't. I like the redraft actually. Oh like, God, really? I, I've thought about doing one for the De- Knicks. Defend it. Defend the idea. Defend, defend the concept. Okay. Here we go. You have two minutes. Go. Okay. Uh, I like them because I think they're like a fun intellectual exercise. It's about getting some evidence of how good these guys were as NBA players, and then like deciding, okay, what did you miss originally? Uh, what did you misunderstand about what makes a player what makes a prospect good eventually and then also like what do you value you know after like the first two or three players in a draft right like say they're all-stars and they're just you know obviously the top three players in the draft you're gonna have to make decisions about like is this guy should i want him because he's a great defender because he's a above average point guard it's like essentially becomes how do you view basketball is who you take in the draft and you know the next spot but do you, but do you, so my, my, but it's so easy to say like, Oh, they should have taken Donovan Mitchell though. Right. Because it's like, you know, yeah, but like that, let me pull up the 2017. I think that was the, yeah. 2017 yep, right. NBA yeah. draft. Right. Mm-hmm. So you took Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think Tatum went that year. I think that was the Jason Tatum. Yeah. yeah. He was three Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell and, uh, Bam out of bios fourth. I think right. you go, uh, th- that's the top four somewhere. Wait, okay, are, who do you take next? Like, do you go Lonzo Ball? Do you go uh, Markel Fultz, Lori Markinen? <laughs> like, you know, Kuzma. I'm sure there's some guys. Still but the on thing Kuzma is, so Island. so so here's where here's where I get annoyed by this is that like every team had a different need at that point, and let's not forget that the Sixers were forced to trade their draft choice to the Celtics because of the Colangelo Silver deal. No, I'm just kidding. This is just my... I have a whole Well, there's some good theory. reporting in that book that I was talking about that might make you think otherwise. Really? Uh, okay. I'm done. Why? I'm done plugging his book. I'm not that good. <laughs> but yeah, you're... I mean, sure, it's it's fun to... I, I guess the, there's... Uh, what I find stupid about this whole redrafting thing is, is like, are you drafting for the player that because of what they became? Or are you drafting for the need of the team at that moment with the ability to like have hindsight and i i feel like that that sort of flip-flops back and forth to whatever the person that's discussing it but i mean it's also like when you're drafting in the moment are you drafting for need or are you just drafting best available player and taking the best guy you can and see how you can fit into him if he develops into like someone who deserves nba minutes right see i think it should just be i think it should just be just pick on the best player like if you're gonna do i know i agree with you but then you should say the same thing about your redraft it's like just take whoever the best player is but it's even hard to determine who the best player is like what's more valuable like a, a rim running uh, elite center who does something like you know protecting the rim and you know finishing on pick and rolls or do you take a guy who can defend well on the perimeter and hit threes like that's a, even that's a matter of opinion or do you take I mean, zach collins <laughs> or do you take zach collins who's not bad actually i love him i love him. but i mean you, you that kind of gets into that 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 kind of notion of at that point where i i kind of I, I understand mike i think what you're talking about where you're going with it because then uh, I mean, Jared Allen was picked what twenty second, I think. Yeah. You know, but but the Nets. But if you're redrafting, he's probably in the top ten to fourteen. And then, like, so if say the Nets or the Knicks took him, then they probably don't draft uh, uh, Mitchell Robinson now. Yeah, probably years later or something, right? Yeah. So, it's, like, I kind of get what you're. I think if that's what you're kind of saying is like how this sort of affects other drafts maybe kind of going forward. Yeah, that too. There's a trickle down effect to these things. Right, but it never. But no one. But no one does these in those redrafts where they stick like year to year and then shows like the cumulative effects of these of these are either though they're just it's all like fantasy draft basically. And then that, I think that's the dumb part of it. I think the more interesting thing to show would be okay, the Knicks drafted Nilakina, but they kind of debated on Dennis Smith and also like Malik Monk, and all three of those would have been terrible draft picks for them. 
And I think I and I it's not really a redraft, but it's sort of like a bad redraft or something, right? Like, <laughs> to show like how teams. We should do one podcast where we redraft the draft. I will fucking stab myself in the face <laughs> before I do the that. 2015 draft or something. Okay, it's on. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> I don't even remember who went call, in the 2015. Call me, call me up and let me know how it goes, guys. I'll be, I'll be reading this fantastic new book I just heard about. <laughs> I think we should redraft the 2000 like. 70 or the 1971 draft and do like all 10 rounds like just yeah. you know <laughs> be fantastic um so chris i'm sure you would want to do the 2015 because that's when philly took julia Okafor. so you know i'm still i'm still not mad at julia Okafor. i'm sorry i'm not i'm just not no you should be mad at the Sixers. can't talk me into it um let's move away from the next really quickly because we're we i don't want to take up too much more of mike's time but i did sure. want to get into something that i know is near and dear to your heart which is rucker sports um, yes. and, uh, and I, I, I'm, I this is just kind of takey stuff here, but I, 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 break. I personally, you know, was, was brokenhearted by the, the fact that Rutgers basketball didn't get to get into the tournament this year. I think it was a foregone conclusion that they would have playing in a really tough conference. Do you, I'm, do you feel the same way? Do you think that they would have made it? And, and is it a, is it a, a, a lost hole in your heart or do you think that maybe there's a potential that they'll actually do a, a tournament at some point i i i mean i think they'll be better next year you never can't like guarantee linear progression i think they'll be better next year i thought this year they were going to be a like a top uh you know not a top a, a single digit seed um like seven seed eight seed something like that um I feel more for like my friends who are much bigger Rutgers fans and like for them who, have, you know, I wrote about like I wrote about it for the athletic. It's a great like how piece. Much these, you should go back and read it if you haven't. It's a great piece. Thank you. And yeah. So how much of the, you know, they've rooted through, through, you know, 20 plus years of just horrible, horrible, haphazard, embarrassing basketball. And then they finally get this team and then they get no reward for it. Right. Uh, I think that Rutgers should like raise a banner next year at the rack for this team, like they would have for any double NCAA tournament team too. Why not? Yeah, like a like a honorable mention, like they can put it right yeah, up next to the yeah, like, just like 27 NIT so, championship yeah. banners. Yeah, if they're so sure that they were going to make the tournament, and everyone in that program is, and I think they would have made it, and like every single bracketologist does, then just raise the banner. You know, like acknowledge what? this great year. When's the last time Rutgers basketball won 20 games in a season? Uh, it was 16 years ago in 2004. Right. So, 16 so I think years there's your banner. 20 like, 20, like 20 win season. That's the banner. Yeah, it's yeah. been 16 years since 20 wins. It's been yeah. 29 years since the tournament. Just acknowledge yeah. this season. Yeah, Rutgers right. fans would eat it up too. Give it's, the players oh, yeah. rings. You know, give them a little presentation. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, milk it. Not. Like Make everything in college. PR. Everything in college sports is made up and arbitrary anyway. Just like, just do it. I agree. Uh, how excited is the NCAA that they? can sort of like detract from having to play play pay players now they'll just be like they'll just claim poverty and that'll be that um well, that's gonna be the real thing right they're gonna be like oh we, we don't have the money anymore yeah you know yeah i can they'll, I can, they'll always have a reason the, not to pay the, the ncaa is good the ncaa and like the houston astros are the two people that are, are two organizations that are winning so big on this um <laughs> i uh i also wanted to get your your take on uh on ruckers football because i know that I was looking forward to the to the first game of the season, which I'm guessing will probably You're be You're the biggest delayed. Rutgers football fan I know. <laughs> I I've only ever been to Rutgers football games. Did you know that? I've never been to any other college football game in my life. I've only been to Rutgers football games and uh there is no other college football. Thank you. Uh <laughs> there was gonna be the triumphant return of Greg Shiano, which is going to be delayed. Um do you think it will? T- do you think that Greg Shiano will ag- ever actually coach a game at Rutgers again? <laughs> I, I assume so. I think we're in a, a society is in a much, much more problematic place if he does not. And I think we have bigger concerns in Rutgers football. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like he could still end up like disappearing off- offshore somewhere. Um, never. Rutgers just can't have nice things, man. They, they can't. There are a bunch of Rutgers fans who are like, this would only happen to Rutgers. Yeah. 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 That a global pandemic would steal an NCAA tournament bit from them. Yeah. I used to feel like there's some other teams or um, colleges around the country who would kind of be able to claim that. But I think it's, I think it's far and away Rutgers now at this point. Yeah. I don't, it's I don't really know who makes an argument for it. Yeah. 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 I can't even think of another one now at this point, but I think over the years, like Washington state, I went to college, Washington state. They've, they've always they been kind of like, a while. The, 
yeah, they were pretty bad for a while. They, they went to the one Rose bowl back in 98. Uh, you know, like it's, they, they, you know, they had a strong argument there for a while and stuff, but I, Rutgers seems to be just like, they're on another level. It's, yeah. I, there's, there's nothing I can say like to, <laughs> to, to disagree with that. They just really are. They are a uh, snake bitten program in every way. Well, we, I, we, I think if I think of college football or basketball, actually, I, specifically basketball season starts up again at some point next year. I think maybe we should all go to a Rutgers basketball game then to watch that team play. That'll be fun. I'm sure they'll have a good out of conference team come in early in the season and we can get tickets to Mike. Are they? I don't, this is say, a hollow promise, Chris. Don't believe him. He won't go. I'm telling you, <laughs> he won't go. This is such wow. a bullshit promise. You know how many times I've invited him to awesome Rutgers tailgates and he's like, yeah, dude, I'll be there. Never shows up. So I think this is the part where I say I have a kid, so it's really hard. But if we <laughs> if we do it much earlier ahead of time, you tell me like two days before, hey, I'm doing this tomorrow. You want to like that's true. show up. That's true. That's true. Also, you're the guy who went to like Pittsburgh. You left. <laughs> you abandoned us. I did. But I did plan on being back for the home opener football game. And I'm definitely in for this basketball game if we can coordinate it. So uh, we'll not bore our listeners with the uh, logistics of that. Um, but before we go, Mike, uh, as the, as the, uh, as the not for nothing, uh, I guess, honorary Drake fan, do you have any hot tracks that you've been listening to that we should stay away from? While you know, we're in, in, the- in times like these, um, when everything is uncertain and unsure, and we really don't know what our future looks like. Um, I, I find it's best to rely on the classics. Um, stick with the songs, you know, stick with the songs you like, you know, just put on hotline bling and let it run. <laughs> Put on that Drake Spotify list, take the first one and just hit, you know, randomize it and just go. Just get all those, get all those, like those uh, resistance bands and just fucking <laughs> just go at it. Watch light, a, light a candle, put on some Drake and just, you know, put a, put a Degrassi high rerun on the TV <laughs> with the sound off. Double Drake. Double Drake. <laughs> Eat a Drake's cake. Triple Drake. <laughs> All right, Mike. Uh, yeah, watch thank- those Drake teams. <laughs> exactly. Watch Ooh. Drake. Wow. Oh. Four Drakes. Can you handle it? Um, Mikey, Mike, Mikey. I don't too know. Much, I just, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. Too Drake. Much, no such thing. You just broke the fourth Drake wall. Uh, <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you need to plug right now? No, just subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't already. We're, uh, we're actually running a 90-day free trial at the moment. So if you don't have subscription and you're... Well defense, now's a good time to get in yeah i think so all of our we cover like every sport yeah chris basically. <laughs> um i had a subscription but then i started using your login i swear i swear uh, well now's the time to get in do a 90 day free trial and then you know i'll do when it. the 90 days run out i'll do it i'll do it today i'll do it today i've been reading honestly for the <laughs> english premier league coverage and the uh the end NFL draft coverage as of the last you know few. So it's not even in the NBA, the NBA stuff that I'm going for. There's a great Dude. there's a great piece about Matisse Seibel and his TikTok career that came out this week. That's as well. true. Really good. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Your did you have something you want to say? Guy is a beast. Yes, he is. I, Dame Brugler. Man, I have never seen like a document more packed full of stuff and information on so many players and draft eligible prospects. It's it's too much. That's really good. Good stuff, Chris. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Mike, thank you for coming on. Uh, and to Thanks, our Mike. listeners, uh, it's been a blast. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I'll talk next week. See you at, uh, at the rack in December. See you at the rack. Peace.